Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Schenkelberg. And this is Kirk Gray. Hey, Kirk. Um, you know, I got an uh, email this morning from uh, ResearchGate. Are you familiar with ResearchGate? Yes, I'm, I'm listed on there and okay. my books. And actually, one paper you can download for free is accessible there. It was not published in a formal uh, journal or anywhere else. Oh, okay. So, but you don't, you don't, do you get requests every day for your book? You know, can you yes, send me a free copy yes, of the yes, book? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, sorry, um, I don't have the copyright for that. I can't send it to you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but if you look in the, if you look in the internet and Google it, you probably find a PDF copy somewhere. Oh, yes. Unfortunately. Um, unfortunately. But, you know, if you really want, so part of, one of the thoughts on ResearchGate is they, every now and then they say, hey, somebody read your paper or somebody cite, made a citation of it. Yeah, and, and I so, love those. And so one of my projects here at the start of the year had nothing to do with uh, a resolution or anything else. It was it was mostly something that distracted me from sitting down and writing uh, uh-huh. another paper. Um, but I went through my filing cabinet and I found a whole drawer full of technical papers from spanning probably 30 years of me, you know, in going to the library and getting papers, mm-hmm. getting copies of papers. And I remember the corporate libraries where I used to work would send mm-hmm. me the a photocopy of the table of contents for us. I'd select a handful or not a handful. I had dozens and dozens of journals that they'd send me the, the table of contents and I would mm-hmm. highlight the ones I wanted a copy of and they'd copy it, photocopy it and send it back to me. Okay. You know, this is before... It, when I started doing that, it was before email. <laughs> and it was a very convenient way to not have to subscribe to a whole pile of journals when you only want maybe one out of every other issue of it, you know, right. one article out of it. So it, it, it was a great way to just stay abreast of stuff and what people are talking about and learn something. But more often than not, I, I would be faced with a problem or a challenge or, a, you know, like a a technical issue I was trying to solve like years and years ago, I was trying to figure out exactly how do ceramic capacitors crack and what happens when that happens, what happens when it cracks. Cause they all don't just go open. <laughs> Sometimes they don't. And uh, so I was trying to find what was known about that. And then I'd go to the library or call them and say, here's some searches. Uh, but that filled my cabinet. And so I'm going through all that stuff, and I found my original uh, draft and the final preprint for my first technical paper, which brought up ResearchGate. Mm-hmm. And and that's the one that I got a notice saying, hey, somebody just cite, cited this paper. And I'm like, yeah. wow, that was, oh, geez, almost 30 years ago. <laughs> and I was like, in, and I'm looking through this stack of papers, and I'm pulling out stuff that were published in the fifties that I, you know, dug up and found those copies and, and printed them um, because they were core to some project I was doing or paper I was writing or, or whatever. Uh, Well, what's the, is it a uh, Newton, Sir Isaac Newton quote 
you know, the only reason I've done what I've done and is standing on the shoulder of giants was that I'm sure I'm getting that quote wrong. Uh, yeah, you standing on the shoulder of giants and that's, you know, building, it's only because of the previous work of other people that you were able to, uh, you know, go this direct, um, move a little, move the, the science a little farther. Right. And, right? and, and like, I mean, I, you've talked about, you know, you've learned so much from Dr. Hobbes. Right. And then you right. came out with your own book, which was, you know, full of practical advice of, of how to do it. And Right. And that's it. something that uh, I don't think Greg uh, emphasized so much in his book or was familiar with because he was really selling the idea of going to limits and, and the idea of applying stress to limits. And... That was, you know, pretty radical for his time, Yeah. in fact. So uh, he focused really on that because it was still pretty much selling it. Uh, I By the time I started the book in 2011, it, Halt and Hass were well-established terms. Yep. So uh, I knew that one of the things that hadn't been addressed was uh, the thermal, the ability of... Uh, Thermal stressing and thermal halt to skew the uh, timings and, and signal integrity uh, potentially in um, circuit boards and yep. electronic circuits, which could identify a lot of, um, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, timing, well, timing issues. issues in software. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, and, it's, uh, and for an example for folks that aren't familiar with it is that, let's say you have a, a CPU that's going to open a valve. Right, but it has a sensor that says, "Oh, there needs to be fluid on this side of the valve before I open that <laughs> kind of thing, right? Or, you know, or certain pressure or whatever." And so it's it says, "Hey, what's the pressure?" And if it doesn't get an answer in so many milliseconds or so many cycles of the CPU, it right. says, "Well, it's not there." I'll right. make a safe assumption. Right, and. If that signal is just delayed because of the copper is changing its conductivity, uh, then it can miss that. Right. The fact that uh, conductivity and uh, the impedance can be shifted slightly and cause the timing variation or show uh, what will happen with some timing variation, especially when you have high thermal gradients like a rapid uh, thermal change in a circuit board, you kind of skew the different um, circuit elements in uh, differential ways. Uh, you know, some getting hotter, faster, some staying cool. And in fact, this is a nice uh, or a, a potential uh, tool that you could use. And one of the things is, is by rapid thermal transitions, <clears throat> you can differentially um, skewed at different elements. And you know in the larger population, when you talk about lot-to-lot variation or within a lot's variation, that, again, all timings are not going to be the same in every chip. I yeah. mean, it's there. There's, there's variation in everything and certainly in the speed. And, in fact, uh, Intel and AMD and other processor manufacturers have to measure the capability of the actual chip on the chip on the wafer to sort out and bend certain CPUs and certain components, yep. you know, like that. So we know that occurs. We know that variation will occur in the manufacturing. And by thermally skewing these, 
uh, along with changing the bus uh, frequencies and other uh, variables, uh, voltage, you can really map out a very, I think, uh, uh, in-dimensional um, safe area to stress under and to expect every product, uh, every one of your samples to operate under. And in fact, finding that boundary and finding out how wide those boundaries are is uh, essential to kind of realizing you've got the design well-centered. Well, just that story, it was a reference to what you picked up and expanded on from Dr. Hobbs as just one example of how we, we learn from the past. But when you started talking about, you know, the variability of, of uh, silicon chips, mm-hmm. just think of how many people and how many papers have gone back the, what, 70 years now, 60 years mm-hmm. since the very first devices were invented right, way back yeah. when. Mm-hmm. Um, and it continues. At a, I heard it just the other day that IBM... Uh, lost its number one position for the most patent applications in a year, <laughs> or something like this. To, I think Uh-oh. the Samsung. Uh, they're number two, but you know they're trying harder. But the idea yeah. is, is that there's so much wealth out there of knowledge. And for me, I, I mean, it was before blogs and and online searches and all the other mm-hmm. stuff that's out mm-hmm. there. Um, but the technical papers and 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 journals. And conferences, to some degree, there's some variability there, are pretty well vetted. I mean, people do review it and look at it, going, "Is this true, or does it make any sense, or can we, you know, is this hold any water?" Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it varies. Different journals have different levels of standards and review policies, but by mm-hmm. and large, it's different than a blog. Where, I, like, I just posted one today, and. My review was I ran it through Grammarly to make sure I spelled everything right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, but you know that when you look at a blog online, it, it's that old, now old saying is, do you believe everything you see on the internet? You know, like <laughs> kind of yeah, thing. That's true. You know, and, and I, with Ascendo and with our podcast, we try to give out, you know, or relate our experiences and history and all the other stuff in a, in a, just a different format, we could put this stuff all in technical papers and go through the, the publishing process. And we have. I mean, I know you've published and I have, and we've gotten uh-huh. conference papers published and stuff. But it's, it's one of those things that I think has, one, it's a, it's a record or a history, along with books and along with other vehicles that we use to, to convey and share information. So that that's part of the scientific process, I think. And just our engineering development and technology innovations, all that stuff is founded on or this idea that goes way back to the Royal Societies and Sir Isaac Newton is, hey, what are you working on? Let's talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of thing. What did you figure out today? Right. So, yeah, I look at, you know, when I see a citation, I sometimes go back referring to my book or one of my papers, but mostly my book. Um, I kind of see it's interesting to go back and see what what they use that for. Yeah. You ever look at that? Oh, and yeah. See yeah. If they used it properly, you know, to support something that you either agreed with and thought it furthered the technology or um, I thought 
ooh, that's kind of misleading, you know, from well, what I intended. Yeah, the, the ones that I was like, oh, you know, you're just filling space here. It's the academic <laughs> papers, yeah. That, yeah. you know, uh, the thesis, the, the PhD thesis paper yeah. that, you know, they have to do the, the literature search. So anything that right. hit the keywords, they list. So their their right. bibliography is three hundred papers, but they only actually use the information from like two of them. <laughs> that one's yeah, you know, my, whatever. My friend or my colleague or the guy, one guy that I also consider very intelligent and and uh, the leader in academics of uh, reliability academics, and that is Michael Peck, Professor Michael Peck to, of Cal's. And he did. We did a paper together on a long-term uh, overstressing, thermal overstressing of uh, PCs, and you can access that I think on ResearchGate. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a uh, available also on my website. Um, but uh, he wanted <laughs> his problem was there were too many references for most for the editors. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he had 135 or something. And they had, you know, we could only use 35 or, you know, 15. Well, so. the, you know, the journals, are, the, especially the printed journals, they're looking yeah. at, you're just going to fill two pages of this stuff? You know, come <laughs> on, which one did you really use? Which one yeah. are you just exactly. citing because you want to get another citation? Yeah, you mentioned Blue Sky and you had to list all the places... <laughs> That it's ever been listed as somebody figured out what, what the color the blue is. Sky is. It's yeah, what was there? Anyway, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's sometimes it's proving, the, you know, going back to how the wheel was invented. Well, there's a there's something about um, journals and impact uh, ratings. You know, you want to be published in a journal that has a high impact rating, and right. that has that means lots of people provide citations to from it from those articles right, from right. their journal and so feeding that system i see lots of academics do this they write a paper which is just a summary of their last 10 papers you know <laughs> and they write 10 papers that are just summaries of their last 11 papers <laughs> or their last 12 papers <laughs> you know? right and they right. they they pump up their own citations and the journals they want to be in and stuff. And I, I just, yeah, come on, this is just well, a game. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, publish your parish and you have to just keep publishing something. Um, and that's, you know, the, that's the dark side or it's part of the process yeah. for whatever reason. It's yeah. got a good intention. Uh, as a practitioner though, right. As a practitioner in, in, in my time in the industry, I, I didn't see, you know, a lot of people going to the journal of reliability or whatever the, the IEEE uh, Reliability Society's uh, academic out of their published mm-hmm. uh, notes. I rarely ever saw anybody looking at those or they didn't have a lot of practical uh, application that it kind of uh, – you know, I look at CALS and they do uh, great work with lithium-ion batteries and some of the ongoing issues with um, the that and solar energy and and uh, wind energy issues, IGBT, uh, inter- insulated gate bipolar transistors, power systems, things like that. But they really don't. They they have to focus on intrinsic uh, issues, not the special assignable causes that, as I believe, are a lot of the reasons, uh, the majority reason why uh, products fail in the field. 
Yeah. Well, so, you, you've seen it in conferences too, is where somebody's going to say, "Oh, we need a, a fifth column on our yeah. expanded FMEA, right? You know, or we need a, another logic style gate for <laughs> the block diagrams that allows you to do this exotic yeah. corner case that's completely fictional." Yeah. And I'm like, seriously you got nothing better to do. <laughs> yeah. But, well, again, it's, we can't publish companies won't publish their real reliability data unless they're forced to by court order. So, yeah, you know, we're just yeah, going to have to, yeah, everybody to, that there's a IBM journal that's actually got great stuff in it. Uh, it's mostly about the innovations and discoveries and patent worthy type right, stuff that's right. going to be public domain right. anyway. So they write the story behind it. That I find fascinating reading. Yeah, um, I do too. But it's the the idea is the the basic idea of these technical papers goes back centuries is a way to share knowledge and bits and pieces of information so that you reading through this stuff and working your way through the citations and the and how this came about and where do you apply it. Right. For me, it helps me solve problems. Like, I didn't really know what a Weiner diffusion process was and, until I ran into a problem where the regression analysis was not going to be a straight line and with any of the distributions I could figure out. So this was a technique to create a model, a regression model for it. And right. it became the basis for the first paper. Now, through that research process, I ran into my co-author, who was a professor teaching, you know, reliability and accelerated testing and this stuff. And, and so we got it published. Uh, he, he did the heavy lifting in the, in the math side, and I had the data and understood the mechanisms. Mm -hmm. But the, the idea is, is that I use technical papers if I have a specific question or problem. You know, right. I, I, right. What do we? Somebody has already looked at this. I'm right. quite sure. Right. It's a good thing I'm not trying to get a PhD because if I had to come up <laughs> with an original thing, you know, I don't know. It's, yeah, like you see some intermetallic problem with your solder or something like that, and you go research it. You yeah. know, you go look, and there's probably a paper about it. Probably somebody else's. The hard part is thinking study. of the keywords to search for. You know, what's <laughs> the, what, if you knew the name of the phenomena, then you're halfway there. You could find those papers. Yeah, right. And, and, and then the other way I've used technical papers over the years is, oh, that looks interesting. I don't know anything about that. Or that's, how would I ever apply that? Or, you know, I've never heard of that. And I would skim through or read those papers and, mm -hmm. and pick up bits and pieces that, wouldn't apply to help me today, mm -hmm. but it sure broadened my field of uh, awareness, I guess is the right word. I was aware of so many different failure mechanisms that right. Right. over the years I, I read about and how to do this and what, what's this about? How does right. this occur? How does it show itself? That when I actually did ever see one of those things, I go, oh, I think I know what that is. Let me, <laughs> you know... Yeah, and that's how we make more reliable products, by knowing those mechanisms like tin whiskers and things that were in the past yeah. and then suddenly reappear because of a major change in the solder uh, formulations. Well, that, that's one piece of it. Is there's just this 
perennial, we forget what we've already mastered. <laughs> it hasn't been a problem in the last couple of years. So yeah. It's not, it loses awareness and then right. it comes back again. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many times I've run into people saying, oh, we're going to use bare silver on the board because it's got great electrical properties. Okay. <laughs> Uh, you know anything about corrosion and silver and silver? Yeah, you know how silver likes to move? We call it the mobile ion for a reason, because it will build those beautiful little tree structures at a drop of a hat. And wasn't there a problem with in high, uh, high sulfur pollution areas? I thought uh, something was silver. It was silver and that uh, some corrosive atmosphere or yeah. something like that. Oh, is, yeah, is, you, it doesn't matter what you use. Something's going to yeah. take it apart <laughs> somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> Eventually. Yeah. But most of the time it's going to be technologically obsolete, obsolete before yeah, that yeah. happens. Well, we'll refer to yet another one of your papers or yeah, technical well, things. Anyway. Well, make sure you yeah. put all the links in here so that we can catch all these things. Um, okay. You know, that kind of thing. But the idea is, is it was just kind of hit me as I'm going through all this it, coincidence i'm getting this email of a new citation and i'm going through old papers and going oh i'm gonna my wife wanted me to clean house a bit and get rid of are you ever going to use these and i'm like well no <laughs> so I, i'm paging through all these papers and i'm like oh that's a cool paper i really like that paper i got to keep that one and so instead of four feet i have a foot now so i called three-fourths of it so hopefully that's a win <laughs> Yeah, I, I hope you can cull it down. Well, the other trick now is that I'll either scan them and put them, you know, make PDFs out of them, or yeah. I have library access, so I'll just download them, the ones that I want to keep and put them in a in a, a place where I can find them again, that kind of thing. But the idea, basic idea, the whole concept is, is one, you can learn from the history of right. what's been written. Two... Yeah, it's not a perfect system, but it's sure better than not having all that previous knowledge. And three is a way to learn other things that you catches your eye, might be interesting, or might scratch an itch for curiosity, or just right. to do to, to professional reading. And four, it's a great way for you to share what you know, and, you know, pay it forward, right. basically. That's why I write the book, is to help uh, the next generation of people in reliability um, you know, in have the two dollars in the two dollars and eighteen cents you get per book. I think less than that. But oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I didn't. Re I certainly didn't write it to get rich, and it certainly hasn't done that for me. But it has. Uh, brought some citations, and I think it moved the. Hopefully, uh, it, it'll be there. I don't know how long it'll be before it'll be technologically obsolete, but yeah. hopefully. Uh, you know, stress will always be a very useful tool in in finding problems with reliability. Yeah. Now, and so that's part of the process. So anyway, that was the thought for today. Is that, and um, yeah, you know, and if you've and got, Google Scholar, also, Google Scholar is great. Google uh, Scholar has all tons of papers, great research capabilities, and you'll find a lot of these papers that are uh, behind a paywall or something are actually somebody in some country is done what you talk about scan them and made them into a pdf and put well, them. a lot of authors like you and me on ResearchGate. you know yeah we have access if we can post our own papers 
Um, yeah. So there's lots of ways to do it. And, but a lot of companies have library access in one form or another, or your right. old alumni access to your library. Right. There's lots of ways to get at this there stuff. There's lots of ways to get to the stuff, yeah. yeah, without paying. But lots of stuff. So anyway, if you've been listening to this and if you got, you know, uh, take one way or the other on the technical papers and how they're working with you for professional development or problem solving, let us know. Head over to ascendoverliability.com slash go slash SOR. And you can find a couple of ways to get in touch with us. The Kirk and I and the other hosts of the show are available through LinkedIn and our about pages. And um, I guess, Kirk, we're not looking for deep technical questions about some obscure technical paper. (laughs) (laughs) But if you got one of those, it might be interesting. We might have to look it up and and see if we can help you. But let us know (laughs) one way or the other. That's right. Thanks for listening all. And uh, please send us in your questions. We love them. Yeah, sure do. Thanks, Kurt. Talk to you later. Okay. Thank you, Fred. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation. If you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.